Welcome to the ALN podcast series. Today's episode is brought to you by the Andrew James Advisory Group. AJAG provides training in the ISO 55000 standard, and our world-class training qualifies students to take the ALN A55K certification exam, an industry recognition of an individual's knowledge of the standard. Certified individuals add value to any organization's asset management initiatives. Realizing your ISO 55000 vision need not be painful. Visit us at www.andrewjamesadvisory.com to see how we can help. Now, enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome. Thank you all for being here today on this January 13th, 2022. I am Nick Kenoki, the Director of Technology for the Asset Leadership Network, and I'm excited today for a conversation with Cecilia Moet. Uh, before we get going, I just want to thank our patron members, uh, as well as our organizational members. It's a growing list, so if you're interested in joining up, uh, reach out to anyone at the ALN and we'll get that process started. Uh, and with that, we just want to make sure to say if you're out there watching, we want to hear from you. So please send any comments, questions, or feedback to the chat or use the Q&A function of this Zoom webinar. And Jim Dieter, you want to start us off today? Well, what a thrill today. Well, well first, hi, Nick. How are you? But uh, what a thrill today to get to talk to uh, Cecilia, because and Mike Bordinaro usually ha hogs all the discussions with Cecilia. So <laughs> if he, he let me uh, talk to you today. That's, that's nice of Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Miguel. That's great. And I'm glad to talk with you, Jim, because I do appreciate so much the leadership that you provide for ALN and the welcoming and inclusive um, culture that you have created. You, you extend to people constantly the hand and do what I, what we call in the church, outrageous hospitality, you know, where, where you welcome them in to bring their ideas, thoughts, and information and perspectives so that everybody can learn from each other. So ALN has been such an interesting place for me for the last few years to learn and grow. So thank you for your leadership in creating this organization years ago and for all the outreach that you do to make a difference. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's wonderful people like you that make it happen. Oh, thank you. It's, it's, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned church because I'm not much of a church person, but I did uh, at one point in the not too distant past, uh, I was president of the church I went to, and uh, we actually raised over a million dollars from a small church for a building campaign while I was president. Wow. But I really learned a lot about being welcoming and, you know, awareness of being welcoming. Absolutely. You, know, you when have you're, to be mindful. When you're in a situation, especially with people that you know, it's easy to exclude new people. Absolutely. Uh, and you really have to be aware of it, at least I do. But uh, yeah, I think it's all about continuing to think, to always think you're not doing good enough and you should always do better at it. I think that's right. <laughs> that, no, it absolutely is. It's a um, skill set that I think one has to exercise constantly um, being mindful about being welcoming 
and not being exclusive in what you're doing. I mean, just even when we were talking as we were getting ready to begin and we were talking about the issue of what we were, what our theme is for this quarter for ALN with the, the sustainable value creation. And I automatically went to thinking about one of my favorite law and order shows, but that's SUV. And Michael told me I was not to use any acronyms, which is one of my pet peeves all the time because acronyms are the most exclusive tool that human communication has because you have just a small group who can be part of it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess we should even start because we say ALN, but we invite others to join us so maybe you can tell us about what Asset Leadership Network is. Who's interviewing who here? <laughs> now, we actually, at the beginning, spent a lot of time thinking about the name. Uh, and Institute was in the name and management was in the name. But, uh, you know, uh, and then we got to Asset Leadership Institute, like Ali and uh, but then I thought Institute is, well, I, we, the discussion, uh, was kind of stodgy and that we wanted to be about connections. And that's when the idea of network came in. And I think it is, the name is, was a wonderful choice uh, because it's distinctive, yet clear what it's about. Uh, and there's not a lot of competition in the marketplace. You know, there's any name you could think of with asset management in it is now taken in some form or other by somebody. <laughs> so uh, the asset leadership is a couple other people that use leadership in their in their uh, in their titles, but 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 not so many. So uh, it's worked well, and I think it's it's really is what we're about. Uh, you know, we're not trying to be a pro professional association. Uh, you know, and provide, you know, like many other organizations do a great job of. So why should we do that? You know, the IAM, SMRP, NPMA, you know, you know, other organizations like Government Financial Officers Association that we're, you know, getting into talking to more now, uh, do a great job of providing training and background for professionals where our focus has been on bringing, you know, asset management and asset leadership uh, to policymakers and C-level executives, uh, as you know. <laughs> That's right. Like and yourself. <laughs> and using that ISO 55000 standard, which is so perfectly simple as a framework for the management of assets. And when we're talking about infrastructure, it provides infrastructure, doesn't it? Yeah. Actually, that's a good segue in the wasn't where I was going to start with the question, but let me go there is, you know, we're working on the revisions, as, as many people know, working on the revisions uh, to ISO 55,000. They're required. It's not like we think it's bad. It's just they're required every five years to start a, or so to start a process to look at them. Uh, and Jack Dempsey, one of our patron members and uh, senior fellows is leading one of the groups uh, working on the zero zero document. And we're, I, I, th I don't think I'm giving anything away. I can say what we're talking about, but <laughs> where there was the four fundament fundamentals, you know, the lava, you know, leadership, uh, assurance, uh, value, and alignment. Uh, we've contemplating, and it's just an early draft now, we're contemplating adding three more 
uh, integration, uh, sustainability, and adaptability, uh, which I think kind of takes us to a new level and reflect what, uh, what's possible uh, and how much more we know about asset management than we did 10 years ago when we started writing. But where I was going with that is, I, I have yet to spring it on the group, but uh, uh, I introduced the idea early on, or you know, as part of the process, but uh, it didn't get in so far. But uh, I think equity, equity should be one of those principles. Yes, <laughs> it should, it should. I mean, it falls into, integration and sustainability definitively i mean and it is part of what iso 55000 is about when you go to 4.2 iso 55001 4.2 dealing with all the relevant stakeholders is about making sure you've got equity in place and having a broader definition of what relevant is so I'm kudos to you for coming there because I was going to be begging you from the board, from the Advancing Equity with Asset Leadership Board to see what we could do to pump up 4.2 a little bit more. Yeah. The, you know, it's interesting uh, in the discussion of sustainability, uh, there's sustainability, you know, short version can be seen in two ways. Is the organization sustainable? You know, is our role, is what we're doing going to help us? You know, survive and thrive in the long term, or it can be seen from a more specifically environmental perspective of what are, what are the outward impacts of what you're doing? Uh, you know, I think there's a point you know where those are the same thing, and I think that's kind of the ideal point. But they're really flashpoints, interestingly, for different representatives from different countries in mm -hmm. terms of uh, some things think it should be just the or about the organization and some think it should just be about the environment. Uh, and I think the trick there is to word it in a way that brings those concepts together. Yes. And I think that would be the same. There's a reason I'm going there. There's a reason that, I think that would be the same for equity. I think if we had, you know, like you were where you were immediately went to with it uh, about stakeholder involvement, you know, maybe that's the thing we could do is draft what would a principle for equity look like for asset management? You know, if we had a draft, we could perhaps put it forward. So, well, we already do have that draft. Wait a minute. What about our white paper? Well, we're talking about white paper. Oh, you want a one-liner? A one-liner. It's basically the the format at this point is you know a word, a, you know a principle which is a sentence, and then a paragraph of discussion. Uh, you know, a couple key points. You know, two or three key points, perhaps. Uh, well, I have one word. I think hmm, you only want one word for that. Well, I mean, I think equity is the word. Right. Okay. You know, you might call that the fundamental, and then the, uh, you know, uh, the sentence would be the principle. A principle can't be a word. Principle has to be some sort of an action or actionable statement. Okay. Uh, you know, if uh, 
that's something we maybe could all think about or maybe I'm, already have you thinking about it that would be good you, you have me thinking about it and we will give it to the board to look at as well because our advancing equity with asset leadership board has really been looking at ways that we can raise up the concept of equity in a different way using this framework and for for diversity equity and inclusion and belonging for many other aspects of that realm of leadership in organizations whether non-for-profit profit small large and using the tool of ISO 55000 is what we'd like to do and I I think we can distill some of what we have already in that white paper to get to something that would make sense. So I'd love to do a little offline with you some more on that issue so that we can really focus it in a bit more. Right. So so last year we you know you know you and others you know with Mike's support got this you know equity group started and we had the uh, a fall event, you know, you know, events focused on this, uh, in, you know, directly on equity and one on uh, ALN Espanol, and you did the white paper. Uh, so let's talk about that for a minute. What, you know, what do you think, were you, were you happy with what we did last year? Were you surprised with what we did last year? Hey, that was a question I had for you. You turned it back on me. <laughs> Actually, I was really very happy with what we did last year. Um, we had some amazing programs that we did um, in 2021, but it was started really in 2020 with the work that we did um, at the first Restructuring America that I attended. And that just stopping and focusing um, on what equity means in this context. Mark Morial, if you remember, gave that wonderful discussion about how he dealt with being a mayor in New Orleans and how he brought everybody into the boat, let them understand what the landscape of the ocean that they were in was and what they were going to be doing. And making things transparent. And then when we had Martin O'Malley come and he spoke to that issue as well, the issue of transparency and bringing people together to make sure that your key stakeholders as well as all your other stakeholders that you impact know what you're doing and that you do it not just one time, but multiple times over and over again, the repetition as we were saying earlier, just like being hospitable and welcoming is an exercise you have to do. Being mindful of being inclusive is an exercise that you have to do and being mindful of communicating. Nobody has the time to do it, but you must make the time to do the communication. And so to me, those were some of the things that brought me to, when you say one word for equity, um, one of the words I said was together. That's the one word I want us to be thinking about because every time we do something as an organization, we're doing it for someone or to someone and with someone. And the question is for me, how are you 
treating your someones? Mm -hmm. Are you treating them in such a way that you are looking at what their needs are, asking them what their needs are, sharing them what your goals are, sharing what your obstacles are, what your priorities are, letting them inform you. Those are the types of things that are critical for getting to opportunities that you will achieve your mission for everyone and benefit everyone. That sounds like another uh, principle Mike Bornara would add, which would be transparency. <laughs> That's right. Well, it, it was that was one of the ones that Martin O'Malley, Governor O'Malley, really focused in on was the issue of transparency and the utilization of data to get to transparency, which is something, you know, we can we can talk about this issue of, of equity in a very philosophical, theoretical way, or we can drill down into what is the data. Mm -hmm. And that is the critical thing to be able to move forward. In any strategy, I always say you have to begin with where are you today? Where were you yesterday? Where do you wanna to go tomorrow? And if you don't have the data on that, those story points of where you've been and what you're doing right now, what is your condition right now? And where do you wanna go? You don't go anywhere. So uh, from, a, um, from a, a government entity, I think equity as a part of uh, an asset management plan is pretty obvious and makes a lot of sense. From a corporation, what's what's the argument for a corporation Ooh. tying um, equity to asset management? That's well, a harder reach, right? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Because first of all, equity to asset management um, has to do with still achieving mission. It's all about achieving mission, right? Mm -hmm. What are the things that bring value to an organization in order for it to achieve its mission? What enables it to achieve its mission? So if you are not having the equity of both the inclusion of your key stakeholders and your relevant stakeholders, those that you impact, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you may run into risk. And you need to know what those issues are for the people and stakeholders that you deal with as any company, you know, because it's not just about the widgets because the company isn't making widgets just for the sake of making widgets. They're making widgets to sell to somebody. The company has employees that are in charge of making those widgets and they have vendors that are supplying them and helping them in making those widgets. And they have processes and the things that go into making those widgets. If they are not managing the assets of that process of making the widgets from the point of understanding who wants to buy those widgets, how am I going to sell them? What are the issues that might come up with the widgets when people use them? These are all things that a company has to take into consideration continuously and improve them continuously. So the question of equity has to do more with, are you missing an opportunity? Are you missing an opportunity? 
That's awesome. And I think you just wrote the equity principle in that last uh, two minutes there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> back and <laughs> transcribe it. <laughs> Luckily, we're recording, so we can. We can yes, yes, time. yes. But then, I mean, I think about also, as you mentioned it, one of the things we did with this, but um, ALN Espanol is we got together, one of our panels was um, with ABS quality evaluations. And we had, uh, the companies were in both Brazil and I think Argentina, they, they were in South America. And we were talking about the issues of regulations that they had to deal with in implementing ISO 55,000. And invariably, one of the things that they each said that was pretty amazing was the fact that they gained so much more perspective of what their stakeholders needed, both their internal and their external stakeholders. If they hadn't gone through the process of using ISO 55000, they may not have done that kind of work. They may not have gone through the process of identifying who the stakeholders were that they were impacting rate payers specifically, because these were some of them were electrical utilities and the like. And these were folks that had companies that had to do this work because the government mandated it. But invariably when they did this work, their whole process became so much better that they got better ratings, their fiscal ratings, their financial ratings improved. These were all things that make a difference to the bottom line. And so when you say, why would a company care about equity? There are millions of studies that talk about for corporate America and corporate America has been on this journey, um, which is a marathon. It's not a today we create a plan and it's done. It is a work in process. It's a journey that every day we do it. But corporate America has been on this process for a long time of doing diversity and inclusion and equity. But now they're at a point where instead of doing it the way they had originally done it, which was the origination of equity had to be due to affirmative action, which was legal, just like in this case of the folks in South America. It was legal that they had to do a firm of action. And so the focus had always been on, I hate to say it, the butts in the seats. Mm -hmm. Who is in the seats and counting heads. And that's a very good focus. But one of the things that we have really focused much more on, and I have always said, is if you do not align whatever strategy you're doing, with the main business of the business, your strategy is doomed to fail in the organization because nobody will care. And so diversity is now going to a different place. DEI is moving to a different place where we are focusing now on measuring the alignment with business. And one of the things that I loved about some of our programs is we really talked about what does that mean? And how can we create standards of what you can measure and how to measure your progress on 
DEI and equity initiatives. And so that's DEI? Diversity. Oh, I'm not allowed to do that. Thank you. Diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. And then some, some people, and you see, this is the thing. We talk about ISO 55000 being a wonderful standard and ISO being international standards organization for those of you who are not geeks like us. The standard is something that has been adopted globally and is used globally both by governments and private industry, as well as not-for-profit industry. So when you think about it, this standard is a simple communication tool. It's like a laundry list, right? Of the things you have to do. And diversity, equity, and inclusion would fall within 4.2, the relevant stakeholders and making sure you're utilizing and understanding who your relevant stakeholders are, utilizing them as a resource, learning from them to grow your business, grow your mission and achieve your mission. You know, I, I, I grew up in, in small businesses. My dad had a small business and besides working in the steel mill. Uh, and I worked, you know, for small companies. And then when I worked for big companies, I was like, wow, you know, and small companies, everybody understands what the business is, you know, what comes in the back door, goes out the front door, however you want to express it, uh, you know, you know, what's the business about was very clear. I got to big companies, what was amazing that people had no idea what the business was about, just no idea. Uh, you know, I work in accounting. It's just like numbers, you know, what do we, what do we make? What do we do? Uh, I don't know. I saw someone in the newsletter. I really have no idea. But it strikes me in this conversation, I haven't really thought of it this way before, that really the, the, the ISO 55000 approach is a method to overcome that short-sightedness. Yes. And to bring people together. When I started out in, as a young um, business person, because even though I'm an attorney, I didn't start. Well, I did start as an attorney with the SEC. But then I was, when I went into the corporate world, out of the government into the corporate world, I was with Ameritech in corporate strategy. And one of the things I learned was to weave the golden thread of strategy throughout the organization so that everybody in the organization understood their role. And when I went to McDonald's, that was something that was drilled in somewhat in the culture, but you're absolutely correct. If people in an organization do not know what their role is in achieving the company's business and mission, they won't do it with the same vigor. When they are told that the fact that they clean the floor allows for somebody to come in and not fall, not slip, get something that they have to do done and move on, they understand that they're important and then they care more about what they're doing and they achieve more. I got to share one story is one company that I used to work for at one point issued us new ID badges. And they, you know, of course, it hung around your neck, you know, and it had your picture on it, you know, and some color code for whatever. But on the back, 
on the back, it was like the mission of the, of the company and, and all these things were there. And I have to admit, we used to mock it because we weren't, we were informed, but we weren't involved or connected mm -hmm. to it. That's it. That's absolutely it. And the key is making people feel that they're part of it. That's why I think some of the um, folks that are working in this space are now adding the word belonging. Yeah, For me, inclusion was always about belonging because, uh, you know, as somebody who is a Black Hispanic female, I've always been involved in affinity groups and doing all of the work that you get to do and all the development, professional development that they do with minorities and women. And one of the things I always laughed at or found interesting was that my male counterparts would be very upset when I would get to go off on what they called boondoggles <laughs> because they were sending us women off or us blacks or us Hispanics. And I was in all three. They didn't have one for the single people. I'm still <laughs> single. And I, and I consider that one, you know, I have that disability perfectly handicapped at dating thing that goes on. But they would get upset because we were going off. And that's when I used to start saying the word inclusion. I started talking about inclusion in 2006 when they were still talking diversity in some of the groups because it's all about everybody being at the table and making sure they bring something to the table. And that's why I said the word needs to be together. And the other word that we had, um, transparency, is really to, to get, I did a thing, I have to remember what it was. I was saying it so much a while ago that I love to say it, that it was together to the four, four T's. It was truth, truthfully, transparently, transforming to trust. Oh, yeah. You know, so that people come together, tell the truth about where they're at, be transparent about their their goals and, and visions for where they want to go and transform attitudes to get to the point of trust. Celia, I'm so, I'm so <laughs> glad you brought trust into the conversation. Uh, last week, Dominic Townsend spoke about ABS quality evaluations and ABS group and how they try to help their clients expand uh, tr you know, their base of trust in their stakeholders and, and vice versa. Um, I would say more about that, but before I do, I just wanna make sure we thank our organizational members and our patron members, um, especially ABS quality evaluations and ABS group um, and our other organizational members, including Strategies Insight. Thank it's you. Um, and then I think there was one question from Chris Gawley uh, that maybe Jim, you could frame for us uh, about defining equity in terms of ISO 55,000. Can you say a little bit about what, what you think Chris means by in terms of ISO 55,000? And then maybe Cecilia can give us a good answer. You know what? Yeah, I think it's uh, 
and I think Cecilia, to me, already answered that. They answered the question better than I can. But it's, you know, is tying it to, uh, not that anybody would think it's not a good idea, but how is it that it's a principle of asset management? And I think you did a wonderful job of covering that. But let me go into it a little bit more, though, for Chris, because. Sure. To tie it in, let, let's look at one of our committee members always says we have to look at the issues of not just the provision of service to, to everyone, but the provision of a certain level of service. So when Hugh Sinclair says, if you're giving water to everyone, but you're giving dirty water in Flint, they got water. Can they drink it? Not so much. So it's level of service and it's not just the cost of service. It's looking at all different aspects. It's taking a more holistic approach to whatever asset you are dealing with and figuring out internally who are the relevant stakeholders. And we have a hard enough time doing that, as Jim was saying, because of the silos that corporations and businesses and whether it's municipalities, it doesn't matter because of the silos that we have in our organizations and lack of communication flow, we don't always get to our internal stakeholders to really know who's relevant. So it's focusing in on the internal ones, then it's focusing in on the external ones. And what I always like to say, Chris, is the unusual suspects. Don't go to all the usual suspects that you can think of. Think of who has not been at the table that you actually need to have at the table that could add value to the table and the discussion and the whatever piece part of whatever project you're working on. It's important to have that. And so it's a stopping and being mindful. Who do I need to welcome in? Who no, is not part of my normal group? Does that make sense, Chris? You can give a thumbs up, if, or I don't know if I can see you to get a thumbs up. Yeah. And, and maybe it doesn't make sense to you. I, I hope that gets clearer. And I, you know, I don't know if we ever did get you, Chris, the the white paper that we did, but it. it you know, one of the assets that we were talking about within that paper was dealing with parks and recreations. In Seattle, Chris Silkey, who is on the asset board, the Advanced Equity Board. Beg your Portland, pardon? Right? Portland. Portland. I said Seattle, I meant Portland. Oh, yeah. dear. I was thinking I need coffee. That's where that came from. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, um, Chris, Chris Silkey is with um, Portland's Parks and Recreation and a member of our board. And he has been both an invaluable member, but it was interesting. His organization did exactly what we have said needs to be done. You have to make equity concrete. And so they actually have a resolution that they did as a city that it is now enacted as an ordinance that they have equity embedded in what they do. 
and how it will be done. And that was something that they came up with through working internally and then going externally. And they're going to continue doing that kind of work. And, and this it's an exercise, I think, that while it may seem simple and common sense, not very many people stop to do an inventory of who their stakeholders really are. And so that's why we would really like to see more people embed that 4.2 concept and expand it to go beyond the usual suspects, build on who you're inviting and do it more often, do it in the way that ISO 55001 lays out because it gives you the steps to do it through a strategic asset management plan and taking your most important assets are your relationships. People don't realize that because again, no organization does anything just for the sake of doing it. They're doing it for somebody, with somebody or to somebody. And we're hoping they're not doing it to them in a bad way, but we really want them to be thinking about the somebodies that they're doing it with. And you know, the connection I'm, I'm, I'm seeing as, we're as you're talking is uh, when people implement ISO 55,000 and, and, and in the process, in my experience, when you get to the working on a SAMP and talk about identifying stakeholders, boy, it can be hard. People, hard. you know, it's, it's surprisingly hard for people to think that way. But the point I want to make is if you're doing it from a compliance perspective, and I spent much of my career in a compliance environment. In other words, if we're doing 55,000 because we're trying to get the certificate or we have to get the certificate, uh, then you think of stakeholders as well. Who do I have to talk to to satisfy this? If you're looking at it in the way the standard really intends, which is about value from asset management and your assets, then you're like, wow, who can I reach out to that are gonna help me, that's gonna help me with this mission of my organization and how assets provide value to it. And it's like, you know, it's like a no brainer. Well, it's an absolute no brainer. And okay, part of the problem is, I think sometimes we think value has to be in monetary terms and value is all about either cost cutting or savings or profit and income generation. But in the corporations that I've been involved with, and even in all my clients, the most important asset they have is the intangible asset. And, and that is the intangible asset of brand reputation. And the most important driver of reputation is what people think. It's not necessarily all of what you do, it's what people think you do. And if you're not talking to people to help them think what your thoughts are that you want them to think, then they're going to think different thoughts and they're going to attribute different motivations. So this boils down to managing relationships, both internal and external, thinking about who you might want to have a relationship with to avoid a negative relationship. 
Daniel Ortega would tell us that risk mitigation is the biggest part of this and that we need to focus in on that. Well, it absolutely is risk mitigation, but I always called it optimization. And I laughed because I went back and I was looking at one of my old, old um, blurbs that I used to use. And I don't know if I still use it, but you know, I said, and Miguel, you'll like this one. We act as an outsource resource to provide organizations, companies, and municipalities with professional, uh, with, um, oh, preeminent, <laughs> preeminent. <laughs> I like that word, preeminent advisory services to create and implement strategies that enable them to optimize their assets, human or physical. Now, Mike will tell me, and customer relationships while assuring their corporate social responsibility is aligned with their business objectives. And I laughed at that because Mike and I always have this fight that you can't have human beings as assets in America where we once upon a time had human beings as assets and where in the world there are human beings held as assets. So the focus truly has always been in my mind on the relationships. And so this is the key. Are you doing your relationship management? Use human relationships for assets, not right. humans. Right, human relationships. So yeah, that's that's the fun part though. And and taking on a role of making everybody in the organization a leader. I laughed. Another thing that was funny, being part of being part of ALN has been for me very rewarding and I have to laugh because there's always something that comes up that is a surprise. Now Mike doesn't know that but in this week's ALN um, newsletter network newsletter he put in an article from Sally Jenkins and Sally Jenkins on leadership in, in the football world. And she was talking about the various coaches and their leadership styles and who's worked and who's didn't. And I just had to laugh because Mike doesn't know it, but Sally Jenkins and I are classmates and we're friends back at my days at Stanford. Oh, and wow. so the small world, because Sally had some of the various points that I always used to make. And when I started, um, doing consulting and, and speaking on the issues of diversity, I called it total leadership diversity. And, and it was getting leadership to diversify their power down into the organization so that everybody had that sense that they had a right to lead and be part of the organization. Therefore, taking a role that is more personal thereby increasing innovation and productivity and all manner of things. That's what happens when you have that, when leadership, because leadership is not sustainable if it has no followers and followers have to do the work of the leader. The leader doesn't do it all themselves. So that's why I thought it was just ironic that Mike had chosen that. And Sally, I have to reach out to her and tell her that she was in my world and I haven't seen her since one of our reunions, but yeah. She's an awesome writer. Now She's you could a pull a real coup. Well, we could pull a real coup and, and you could, we could have you and her talk on an ALN Thursday at three. That would be 
Oh, that would be fun. I can ask her. I can ask her to come and speak and, and talk about, because you know what? It's important to have a, 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 a stories as part of what we do to influence people, to help them think about this subject, because it's a hard subject. Um, the concept of equity, people think, if I am talking about equity, it's because I'm talking about something negative, the problems that have happened. Equity is more for me, optimization. It is more the concept of there's plenty of pie at the table. And, you know, I, I say I'm setting a table, inviting all to come and join the meal and you get a recipe. You have to first figure out what are the ingredients that other people can enjoy and eat? What can they not have in the menu and what is necessary to include in the menu? and then set that table and invite them and let everybody come in and enjoy. But people too often focus in on the negatives and the shame and blame game is the focus. This use of ISO 55,000 is something that can move away from that blame and shame framework and help companies and organizations focus in on what is the business mission who are the players that we need to use to, to work with and co collaborate with and partner with? And who are we doing this for? What are we going to do? Why are we doing it? How are we going to do it? Doing it together is the key. So. I can't imagine a better way to, to get to uh, wrapping it up. Obviously we could go on forever. But if you would stay with me a minute, I would like to invite Nick and Mike and Kevin to turn on their cameras and uh, we can kind of introduce Kevin. I've, I've not really met Kevin yet, but Mike can introduce him if you would. Okay. Hi, this is Mike Bordenaro. Thanks Jim for bringing us in. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to jump in and say something, but I held back. I was uh, doing a lot of annotations and uh, Kevin represents the growth of the ALN. Um, Kevin is uh, working uh, with Nick on our technology. And uh, after this meeting, they're gonna be talking about uh, website uh, redesign. Mm, excellent. Hello, nice to officially meet. Jim welcome, Tell us, you know, give us a, a minute or two about you, you know, how did, how did you get um, here? Um, well, I guess uh, just I, with these Thursday at three things was kind of the, the intro to it just seemed like uh, Nick was, you know, looking to have somebody else take on some of the, you know, editing and turning this into uh, the podcast format and um, just taking on some of that role. And so that's how I, I got introduced to this. And then Nick and I had been talking about um, the website because I'm also a software engineer. So it looks like um, there's a lot of room for growth on that side of things as well. And I'm excited to be helping out. And, you know, I haven't been here long, but the past couple weeks listening to these talks have Seems like I found my way into a cool little thing to be a part of. So yeah, well, you're gonna be you're gonna be, be helping make it a big thing. 
So welcome, yeah. Kevin. Yeah, and, yeah, and Kevin, Kevin, it's really cool to have you because you'll be able to help us even more to get information out because we've been doing things. Uh, Mike and, and the Advancing Equity Board went through the process of making statements to OMB on their call for ideas for how to do the, how to implement um, the executive order 13985 for reducing racial disparities and the like. And we would use you to help us get into other people's websites too <laughs> and, and, and really navigate some of those things. So thanks for coming on board. Yeah, happy to. Good, welcome. It's great, great to have you. And you're in Chicago too, or where are you? Yep, I'm located in Chicago. Oh, good. That right up in the Rosalind meeting in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we yeah. have three of us. Two fifths, three fifths. Well, thank you very much, Jim, for the conversation, and and we, I hope Chris we can talk offline some more about ways we could work on 4.2 and the relevant stakeholder clause. And Miguel, as always, thank you for the opportunity to and the original introduction, how many years ago to this organization and finally co-opting me in. <laughs> Thanks in advance for your program with Sally, Sally Jenkins. I really look That's forward gonna to that. That's going to be fun. I, I'm, I'm going to write her. And we could just have you guys talk about her uh, article. Anyway, we'll talk about that offline. Uh, thank you to all the, the people who have uh, attended and listened to this really exciting uh, conversation. Thanks, Jim, for uh, leading it. Uh, I enjoyed uh, being a listener. <laughs> and, and thank you, Nick, uh, for uh, your technical advice. Kevin, again, welcome. Cecilia, it's always a pleasure to have you as a guest. Thank you. You are awesome. You are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So this organization is awesome. So thank you, guys. Yeah, and special shout out to your friend Michael in Germany. Yeah, he stayed up late to watch. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you, everybody. And uh, see you next week when our guest is who? Next week, uh, we've got a special program where um, Lindsay Ziegler from uh, the Andrew James Advisory Group is going to be having the conversation with uh, uh, Alec um, from LMI. Why am I forgetting? Alex Baron Alex, Alex um, Barenblatt yeah. from LMI. Um, I'll probably be around uh, for support, but I really want them to have the conversation. That's good. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, everybody be well and happy new year. We hope you enjoyed our podcast and we would like to thank the Andrew James Advisory Group for their sponsorship. For more information about AJAG and their services, please visit www.andrewjamesadvisory.com or email info at andrewjamesadvisory.com.